Praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in the studio at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. Glad to be gathered around God's words of life, light, and liberty with you on this day, whenever this day might be for you. If you're watching live, well, praise the Lord. It's a great day here on this Friday morning in the piney woods of Northeast Texas. And uh, we're, we're just excited about being in our Bible study every Monday and Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time. And we are studying First Peter, and we're in chapter 5. We're nearing the end of chapter 5, and uh, we just want to... Uh, I just want to say how beyond thrilled that I am about what God, uh, so many things, the Lord, the faithful Lord did for us and among us this past few days at Determined Youth Camp in Palestine, Texas. There were young people saved and walking around telling everybody that they got saved. And there were young people who were filled with the Holy Spirit who'd never been filled before walking around telling people they were filled. And it, the signs were there. It was powerful. It was a great time of great truth coming forth for, uh, for God's people and just the praise, the worship, the fellowship, everything that went on there. This was our second year that we have been involved in Determined Youth Camp. And I'm telling you, it was better this year than the one before. And we know if the Lord tarries, it's going to be even at, at a greater scale next year. So uh, I'd say go ahead and already start making plans to be with us. And, and uh, next year we'll be letting you know probably uh, pretty soon uh, when that will be because we have to, we have to reserve and schedule uh, that gorgeous campgrounds for uh, you know, way ahead of time. So anyway, it was, it was beyond, beyond what we could have imagined or expected. God is faithful when he, when he's able to gather his people around the focus of the sacrifice of Christ, Christ as the lamb there, the, the unity, the love, the, the, the signs and the wonders, all that God is able to do is found there and and because that is where he works exclusively within the perimeters of that new covenant law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus Romans 8 2 so it was a marvelous time we're still glowing from what the Lord uh, uh, did there and uh, also I want to say this morning before we get into the word October the 5th through the 8th, Determined Camp Meeting. This will be our 10th year to hold these Determined Camp Meetings. There will be 14 uh, or close to that speakers. And as there is, ha has been the last two or three, four years, and uh, we started with a small crew of ministers some 10 years ago, and now the Lord is, is growing that. There's far more ministers. I'm talking about the ministers that will be speaking there. There are far more ministers who are learning to become determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified and standing against all that is not Christ and Him crucified. So again, that's October the 5th through the 8th this year, and it will be in Palestine, Texas at Christ Community Church. Pastors Clint and Lindsey Bass will be hosting the great determined camp meetings this year. Again, it'll be the second year in a row they've hosted, and we're just thrilled uh, to be there with them. They're the grand hosts and just blessed of the Lord. We're just so thankful for what the Lord is doing. He's building His church through His ministers of righteousness, and those ministers of righteousness are those who refuse to allow any leaven uh, into the pulpits and uh, just becoming determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. And it is, I'm telling you, 
it, it, it's like it used to be some years ago where people were gathered and just thrilled about this great revelation of the cross. And that's what the, the conversation was, the focus was. And, and it seems there's been a, a waning, but then God has, has made a way and a place for people to gather who are not ashamed to be all about the Lamb, all about the Lamb. Hallelujah. So I encourage you. Make plans. There are hotels there in Palestine, Texas. Go ahead and get your reservations. Make plans. Forget the vacation. This will be the vacation you always dreamed of and never knew it. Hallelujah. It's October the 5th through the 8th. Starts on a Thursday night. Ends on a Sunday evening. You don't want to miss it. Praise be to God. 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning. And what... I want to start out saying this morning in our Bible study is that what we're seeing here is what we see all throughout Scripture, which is a process of God's words that if heeded to properly will bring us into and on into the progress of God's will for our lives. So as we see here in 1 Peter chapter 5, there is a, a process of words of truth offered to us that if we receive in righteousness that we will be found experiencing the progress of this relationship we have with Christ outside of our vain imaginations and just pretending and faking it till we make it there is a literal process of finding and experiencing the progress in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that here in the fifth chapter of 1 Peter where we're given these, <clears throat> this process here. And if you will, just let me talk about that for a moment or two. Uh, in verse 5, and we'll go on through this this morning a little bit, but in verse 5, we're told to submit ourselves to the elder, the leaders of the church. We're told to submit ourselves to the leaders of the church, the pastor, the leadership, and we're told to be subject one to another by clothing ourselves in humility. So there, there's the first, the first thing you have to understand is humility. And we've discussed it. Please go back and listen to it. Humility is the humility of Christ. And if that's not our humility through faith in what he did as he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, if, if that's what our faith is literally, deliberately, and consciously in, that's what we're trusting in, then his humility becomes ours and we're able to receive the grace that he tasted death by, Hebrews 2, 9, so that we can stand, continue standing, continue walking in this grace. And but we, we're told here to humble, be clothed with humility, to humble ourselves. Now watch the process so that you can be involved by faith in the progress of where the scriptures here are desiring to find your feet in. The Lord is desiring through these scriptures to find your feet in truth, these truths. So watch. First, there must be humility. Humble yourselves. Then verse 7, if we're learning what humility really is and where it really comes from, how we experience it, which is always through faith in the sacrifice of Christ, then, then we're able to cast our cares, our anxieties, our distractions upon Him because the more we understand the cross, the more we understand God's love and His care for us. Not outside of that. Not outside of that. The more we understand the cross of Christ the more we understand the love of God and His care for us because He loves us. Not just some mindset of God loves me, God loves me, but we, we, we're learning Christ. We're beholding the Lamb slain because that's what we're being made conformable unto. Hallelujah. And the more that we're learning how much God loves us by 
learning more of the scriptures in light of the cross, then we're going to be able to more so cast our cares, our anxieties, and our fears, our distractions upon him because we have this assurance that he cares for us. And not only do we know he will, but we find the assurance by the power of the Holy Spirit as he manifests himself to us as the one who is caring for us. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. But watch this. Then there's more. He says, now then be sober. That means discerning. Not about everybody else, but yourself. Discerning that you remain in this process of progress. Be sober, be discerning, be vigilant. That means awake and remaining awake and watching. That's what that means because you got an adversary, the devil, and he's roaring as a lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Who is he able to devour? I don't care how long you've been saved, my friend, but outside of this process of progress, if you don't stay discerning, and awake and watching, he will devour you. And God allows him to devour you, to swallow you up in his will instead of you being found in the process of God's progress. That is God's will for your life. And you're taught right here how that happens. How that happens. Then he says in verse 9, whom, talking about the devil our adversary, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Not some faith, not a faith, but the faith. That's the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us, Galatians 2.20, so that we could have the measure, Romans 12.3, of that faith so that we wouldn't think more highly of our highly of ourselves than we ought, but we would remain humble under the mighty hand of God, humble having the humility of Christ through faith in Christ crucified. That's, that's the place where God finds our faith and ministers to us the things of Christ. Jesus said when the spirit of truth comes, he will show you those things that are mine. Well, you need to understand what's his is humility. What's his is grace. What's his is everything. And I need his humility. I need the grace he tasted death by. Glory be to God. Watch now. So, whom resist steadfast in the faith, not in a church, not in faith in anything other than the Lamb, because that is what it means to, to resist steadfast in the faith, the faith you first believed, the faith you first received, the faith you, you stood in initially, the faith that you live by. Galatians 2, 20. you don't live, we as God's people do not live by faith in anything other than the lamb slain. Let me make this all important statement this morning that you may have never heard, but that you desperately need to know. It's such a simple statement and most have bucked it and pushed it aside, but it is ever so true and cannot be scripturally refuted. And that is this, there is only one object for you to put your faith in. You can have faith for God to do many things, but he's not given us anywhere to place our faith but one place. Our faith cannot be in healing or in a spouse or in a new job or our faith cannot be in the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We can have faith for God to give us a spouse, a better job, to fill us with the Holy Spirit. To, the, the, the list of what we would like to see God do for us is endless. But the place he's given us to, to, to place our faith is only one. It's in Christ. And when you first believed in Christ, you, you were immersed into his death. That's the proof that when you believed in Christ, you were believing into him. 
into him. You were you believe you didn't work your way into Christ, child of God. You believed your way into Christ by believing in his death. And the Holy Spirit immersed you into the believing place, into the death of Christ. Romans 6 3 tells us that when we were immersed into Christ, we were immersed into his death. We were immersed, baptized into his death. Hallelujah. So I, never forget this. It's so important. You cannot put your faith in healing. You can put your faith in Christ, meaning in his death, and ask God to heal you. You can believe for healing, but not in healing. You can believe healing exists because it does. But your faith is in only one place, and that's in Christ. The church doesn't know this. That's why God is raising up ministers to share these wonderful truths of enlightenment that bring us back to the place of true experience of what faith can do for us. It's, you know, our faith, the Bible says, is what overcomes the world because it's the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Watch now this process. We, we're told to humble ourselves, to be clothed with humility uh, if we're going to be able to submit one to another, to be able to cast our anxieties and distractions and fears upon our faithful Lord and to find him, I said find him caring for us, we're going to have to be sober, discerning. We're going to have to be vigilant. means continually, habitually, diligently seeking God, staying awake and watching because there is an adversary called the devil and he desires every moment to devour God's people. But he tells us to, to resist this adversary steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions, the same issues are accomplished in your brothers that are in the world. Everywhere this is going on. This is going on everywhere. Now most Christians have the foot of the enemy upon them instead of their foot upon him because they're ignorant of these things. They think they don't really need to know anything. I just know God loves me, gave his son for me. Yes, if they believe that in the heart, they're born again and they're on their way to heaven. But who wants to live a miserable life when you get to the judgment seat of Christ and everything that you thought you were doing for God is burnt up and gone? Everything, no rewards, no treasure that you laid up because you, you, you chose just to... Uh, just to, to, to to believe that salvation was just was just some one-time event, and it was to save you. But the Bible speaks of those things that accompany salvation. The walk with Christ, the fruit of Christ, the, the benefits in manifestation in our lives of Christ, the things of Christ, the Spirit of truth is here to show us and to guide us into. Hallelujah. Watch this now. Verse 10. This is where we were working our way to for today. But the God, but the God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Notice again here the word suffered. If you just jumped into this Bible study, I encourage you to go back and listen to all the way back to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 and what you'll see through this great letter that the Holy Spirit wrote to the church through Peter is the focus of suffering. And, and I've talked about that, and I'm not going to get into that because you're going to have to go back and listen to these teachings if you want to understand what I'm saying right now. And that this first letter that Peter wrote, its context, its focus is suffering. 
suffering for the name of Christ, carrying the reproach of Christ's name, uh, suffering for righteousness. Uh, th that's what this first letter always comes back to. No matter what he's talking about, he ends up talking about suffering for the sake of Christ, carrying the reproach of his name for righteousness' sake. And here he says... After that you suffered a while, God will, perf God will make you perfect. And we know that's talking about when we get home. Here, if, if, the Bible says Paul wrote to Timothy and said, All those that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Suffering for righteousness' sake, for Christ's sake, for carrying the reproach of his name in this old world and even among much of what's called the church today is inevitable. Suffering is inevitable. Everybody's suffering whether they're lost or they're saved and don't know how to live for God or they're saved and do know how to live for God through faith and the sacrifice of long, alone. Suffering is what every human being is facing at all times. We just get to choose as Christians which way of suffering we will go and what fruit we will have. Hallelujah. So watch this. When the Bible here says, but the God of all grace. I want to talk about that word grace just for a few minutes this morning for a greater enhancement of, of the truth of God's word. Grace we've heard and rightly so through the years is God's unmerited favor. It's, it's, it's the goodness of God that's not deserved by men. All those phrases are very true. But I want to give you what the Lord gave me some years ago and it is going to help you tremendously if you will receive it. And if you love truth, you'll have no option but to receive it because it is very scriptural what I'm giving you. Grace is what God does. Do you understand that? God's grace is God at work. And I'm going to give you some scriptures this morning. I hope you would jot them down. Get a pencil and some paper, just like being in class, and write these things down and go look them up so that you can uh, see and the Holy Spirit will able, be able to show you a uh, more in-depth look at what I'll just give you an overview of this morning concerning grace. God's grace is God at work, God doing something in and through men. I want, I want to say that again. God's grace is what He is doing in and through men. Or you might say it this way, that grace is what I do by the Spirit of grace. Because grace is not floating around. Grace is God at work doing something that always requires faith he must find faith to give grace. He must find faith to work in you as the spirit of grace. I want to say that again. The spirit of God, the spirit of truth, the comforter is the spirit of grace. Hebrews 10 and 29 calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of grace. So... The Spirit of grace, who is God, the Holy Spirit, must find the faith of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the faith we live by, Galatians 2 and 20. If he doesn't find the measure, I'm talking about for Christians, if he doesn't find that measure of faith being exercised, he cannot perform as God, the Spirit of grace, in your life. Proof of that is that he could not save us initially unless he found our hearts believing unto righteousness. Romans 10 and 10. He could not save us unless he saw first we were trusting from the heart in that righteous work of Christ on the cross in his death for us for the forgiveness of our sins. So we were saved by grace. Ephesians 2 and 8. 
We were saved by what God was doing in Christ Jesus as he was reconciling sinners to himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. It was God who was in Christ reconciling sinners. Remember the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, that by the grace of God... That's the Spirit of grace. That's God the Holy Spirit. And the Bible confirms that in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, that the shedding of the blood of Jesus was done through the eternal Spirit, who is the Spirit of grace. Grace is not just floating around. Grace is God at work. God saves sinners as he was working in Christ to reconcile us to himself, amen, through what he was doing in his son. Jesus tasted death by the grace of God, by the spirit of grace unto all men. That's why, the, that's why Christ said, and let me say it again this morning, he said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will show you that which is of mine. Everything is his. And we must, there are things that are a process to find ourselves in the progress. If we don't first, by faith, taste of that same death he tasted of, which means we're trusting in what he did in death on the tree, if we don't place our faith there, then we cannot even initially receive the grace of God that he tasted death by. So number one, God's grace is God at work. He saved us by grace, by what he was doing, his work in Christ Jesus on the cross. Number two, Titus chapter 2 verse 12 tells us that we are taught by grace. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Spirit of grace teaches us. So we're saved by grace. We're taught by grace. I'm not quoting these scriptures. You write them down. It, the hungry-hearted soul will go and look at these later. Hallelujah. Because God's grace is not what the church thinks it is today. That it's just floating around carrying us to heaven. No, you know, excusing all our sin. I'll never forgot, forget uh, some years ago I told the Lord, Thank you so much for your grace and mercy and that you overlooked my sin. And God immediately, right then where I stood said, I've not overlooked your sin. I've dealt with your sin through the blood of my son. God has not overlooked our sin. God has dealt with our sin by the grace that Jesus tasted death by on the cross. Know that. Grace is not ignoring sin. Grace is what saves us from sin. Teaches us to abstain from sin. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 13. Grace does not overlook sin. Grace is not carrying us to heaven and excusing, ignoring our sin. Grace saves us from the guilt and the shame of sin and the bondage of sin. Hallelujah. Grace. Glory be to God. Watch this. So we're saved by grace. We're taught by grace. Number three, we labor by grace. 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. The apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God, by God's working in me. I am what I am by the grace of God. He said, I labor by the grace of God. He even went as far to say, I labor more than all the other disciples. I labor more than all of them. But it's by the grace of God. That means it's by the spirit of grace. By what God was able to do in him through his faith in Jesus and his taste of death on Calvary's tree. The very object, only object, exclusive object of faith. Have you not heard, do you not know that the Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 5 there is only one faith? That means there's only one object of faith and that's Christ crucified. 
Hallelujah. I'm so glad to know that today. I don't doubt it. I don't wonder about it. It's settled in my heart just as it is settled in heaven. Watch this now. 1 Peter 5 and 12, down a couple of verses from where our study is now, is that this is the true grace of God wherein we stand. There's only one standing place with God, and that's in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? There's only one place that you and I can walk upright before the Lord, and that's in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we're saved by grace, we're taught by grace, we labor by grace, we stand in that grace, and we walk upright before the Lord by grace. And everything the child of God really experienced if there is an experience you're having with God, it is by grace through faith. That means through your faith in what the Spirit of grace did at the cross. You might say, well, uh, you know, there's a, there's a big old thick Bible that we every word we live by, God's Word tells us, uh, but yet remember the life we find by every word we live by is in the blood. Never forget that. You can't just quote Scripture and live. You can't just read Scripture and live. Scripture, you must allow the Spirit of grace to guide you to where He led Christ to die for you and your faith must be in Him there and what He did there. And if it is deliberately and consciously, you know what you're trusting in now, not Pentecost, not healing, not a spouse, not a preacher, not some denomination, but you're trusting in the death of Christ, you experience the humility first process of progress, humility because only humility receives grace and then all these things that the grace of God, the spirit of grace does in our lives is experienced. Are you, my friend, in this process of progress? Are you? Going to church won't get you grace. Reading your Bible won't get you grace. Quoting Scripture won't get you grace. And when I say get you grace, I'm talking scripturally. Won't the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace, is not allowed. To, he, he's not legally allowed to work in and through our lives if our faith is not in what allowed him to initially be legally given to us. The object of faith never changes. If it does, we move away from him that called it. Let's look, let's look at Galatians chapter 1 this morning and verse 6. Galatians 1 and 6. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writing to the Galatian church who found themselves after receiving this letter in a miserable place of conviction and choice. Choice. Maybe you're listening to me today and you've never heard these things that are scriptural. Maybe you've just sit under ministers who've talked from the pulpit and just threw pieces of the word in their message. And you've not really sat under the preaching of the rightly dividing of God's words of truth in their righteous context. It's the only place you're going to learn and grow, wherever that may be. You're not going to grow sitting under men who just talk and tell stories and talk about other things and then throw pieces of the Word in at times. That's, that's not going to be good for you. You must find a preacher, a minister of righteousness uh, who speaks the truth and righteousness is revealed, Proverbs 12 and 17. And you must remove yourself from those who the last part of Proverbs 12, 17 speak about. It says uh, a false witness is speaking deceit. 
That means a false witness might be using bits and pieces of God's Word, but he's holding it outside of the revelation of his righteousness. Let's quote the verse again in Proverbs 12 and 17. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. A false witness is holding God's word, yes. Using God's word, yes. But he's, what is being shown there are things that are deceitful. They seem right to man. They're are many ways that seem right to man, but the end of those ways are death. If we're not seeing righteousness, then we're not even allowing the Lord to, to, to carry us and walk, not carry us, but to walk us along with Him in the light. The prophet Micah said, I believe it's in the seventh chapter in the ninth verse, when you bring me to the light, I will behold your righteousness. Glory be to God. Glory. When you bring me to the light, I will behold your righteousness. That means, listen, there's no one, there's not but one place you can behold the righteousness of God. That's when God brings you to Christ. When you come to Christ, the one who said, I am the light. And what makes him the light to us is what he did on the cross, his offering to us his righteousness. And taking our sin, His offering us His righteousness, which by the way, Psalms 37, 6 says, God has made our righteousness as our light. Glory be to God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. This is what you need to be hearing, my friend, from a minister of righteousness who God considers a cloud that carries rain. There are many clouds without rain that the book of Jude uh, uh, points to as false ministers or even could be ignorant ministers. But nevertheless, an ignorant minister, as my son Andrew said in a couple of determined camp meetings ago, an ignorant minister is as dangerous as a false minister because neither one are producing, laying on the table, the truth of the cross of Christ for every way and all the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I, I know if you're hungry for truth that you received right then and there. Watch this now. In Galatians 1 and 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed. And it says, from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Notice what we were called into. The grace of of Christ. What is that? The grace of Christ. That's the grace that he tasted death by on the cross. That's what you and I were called into. Ha! That's what we were called into. Remember, we were called into the grace of Christ and we were immersed into the death of Christ because he was tasting death by the grace of God. It's Listen, grace only comes from one place and is only found by one type of heart, the humble heart. That humble heart is the heart that's surrendered, yielded to when we have believed with the heart that form of doctrine that freed us from sin and made us servants of righteousness. God only sees a humble heart as it a heart, that heart being surrendered, yielded to that form of doctrine that freed us from sin and not just freed us from sin, but made us servants of righteousness. And there is absolutely no piece of fruit for the child of God if it is not the righteousness of faith. The righteous fruit of faith. Think about that. 
And there's only one way that we can function as servants of righteousness, and that is if we do not remove ourselves from the grace of Christ, His death, listen, that saved us from sin, freed us from sin, but made us servants of righteousness. If we remove our faith from that one object to all of these fads, thousands of them that are in the pulpits today, then we, I speak from experience, my friends. I've been there. I've done this. I have been here. I've been caught by these scriptures as the one who had removed himself from him, from him, the spirit of grace that called us into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. If it's not faith in the death of Jesus, that which he tasted, that grace that he tasted death by, then my friends, it's another gospel. And it's not the legitimate scriptural grace mentioned in the scriptures. Do you see that? The grace of Christ, the grace of Christ is here mentioned as the only grace that will prevent us from moving to another gospel. There are more gospels in pulpits today than there's ever been, and the only gospel that is legitimate <coughs> is the gospel of the grace of Christ, meaning the focus of the Lamb and what He did at Calvary. There's a grace that, listen... There's a grace to be a husband, to be a father, a mother, a wife, to, to, to do all or anything that God has called you to do. All that He's called us to be, all that He's called us to do will require this phrase, by grace through faith. Through faith in the grace of Christ, meaning what he did in death by the grace of God. When we move the cross as the object of our faith, when we change that, oh, we still believe in the cross. We believe in the cross, brother. We hear all these cross preachers, these, these cross-eyed preachers, these determined people, they're focused on the cross. We believe that too, but, no, that but... That but, listen, it is over, my friend. It's over. There is no such thing as believing in the cross and then going on to other things. All Christians believe in the cross in that it saved them, what Christ did there. Not some wooden beam, the tree, but who he is and what he did on that tree as the Lamb of God. But to say you believe in the cross, but then you say we also have to have... No. Listen, if you move the object of your faith, if you add to the object of your faith, you eliminate yourself by removing yourself from Him that called you into this grace. He's not called you into the grace of Christ to be found standing in anything other. Galatians 5 and 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ made you free. And here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12, we see this. In the last part of verse 12, testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. If you're not standing in the grace of God, meaning standing presently now in this moment, uh, trusting from your heart, uh, depending on, relying on, depending on the very death of the Lamb for all things, for all the grace of God, then my friend, you're believing another gospel and you're experiencing a mixture and get this, in the mixture... At best, according to Romans 12, you can only be weak in the faith. And the Holy Spirit will never honor anyone's faith in anything other than the Lamb. 
You're called to walk. You're called to walk uprightly before the Lord. Psalms 84:11. Let's go there and read that powerful scripture. It'll take us to a place we always go and that we need to go. Psalms 84:11 says this. For the Lord God is a sun, he's our light and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No, let me tell you this morning, the word of the Lord is here that our faithful God will withhold no, no good thing from those that walk uprightly. Do you understand that? But then this takes us back to a story in Galatians chapter 2 where we see the apostle Paul being shown something about Peter and Barnabas and a few others, Christians, who've all of a sudden been found in a boatload of hypocrisy. And the apostle Paul, under the anointing and the, the manifestation and the viewing of the way God sees things, says this. He says, when I saw, that's what the apostle Paul said. When, you, when Paul saw something, it means that the spirit of grace was showing him something. God Almighty, the comfort of the Spirit of truth, but more so the Spirit of grace was showing the Apostle Paul that the Peter, Barnabas, and some of these others, the Bible says there in Galatians chapter 2, were no longer walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. If we're not walking according to the truth of the gospel meaning deliberate and conscious, moment by moment, surrender, yielded to faith in the death of Jesus, the Lamb of God, then we are ourselves found in those moments we're not trusting in that and we've replaced that with something, anything other. Or fear grips our heart and we value men's worth and the fear of man grips our heart and we're found moving away from the one who called us into this grace of Christ. Then we cannot be found walking uprightly before the Lord. Listen, to walk uprightly before the Lord requires that our walk be by the grace of God that it be according to the truth of the gospel. That's what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 2. I hope you'd read it. I personally believe, I do believe this with all my heart, that Galatians chapter 2 is a billboard that we don't pass in our Christian, on, on this journey we're on, it is a billboard that, that goes with us all the journey along. It never leaves. God reminds me of Galatians chapter 2 and the great and awful problem that took place there in Galatians, but the truth that came, the intervention of the Spirit of grace that, that stepped in and through the Apostle Paul uh, 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 stirred Peter and those that were following him and revealed to them that they all of a sudden were gripped with the fear of man that ensnared them and prevented them from walking uprightly before the Lord. And listen, if if I'm not walking uprightly before the Lord, then I'm not walking in the place where God says He will not withhold any good thing from me. Did anybody hear the Lord in that great truth? The Bible, let's read it again in Psalms 84, 11. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. What will He give? Grace and glory. When? 
when we're not removed ourselves from the one who called us into the grace of Christ. Watch now. The Lord will give grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly, which requires what? The grace and the glory he gives. Glory. See, the grace and the glory are tied together. He saved us by the grace that Jesus tasted death by on the cross. And Galatians chapter 3 verse 18 says that as we behold that glorious image, we're being made conformable, we're being changed into that, into that glorious image by the Spirit of the Lord as we go from glory to glory. We're being made conformable unto that death, that death of the one who was perfectly humble, perfectly obedient, and found perfectly trusting in the heavenly Father, His heavenly Father, our heavenly Father, who only judges righteous judgment. Uh, that's what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. And let's go back there and look at that this morning just to make sure that we're right. It's a glorious uh, a picture this morning. Uh, let's see if we can find it here. In verses 22, it's chapter, it's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Suffering. That's why Peter wrote about suffering. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Watch, verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Some of you needed to hear that today who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Glory be to God. The healing by his stripes here is talking about the healing and the deliverance from the sickness and the dominion of sin. Not just our acts of sin, but the sin nature that prevented us from having the righteousness of the law carried out in our lives. Jesus did the work of righteousness. The work of righteousness is peace. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 32 verse 17, the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance, my friend. Those who walk in this great truth of Calvary's Lamb, they have the assurance to believe it and to preach it and to learn to become determined to know nothing else other than this great truth of the Lamb, this great grace of God. Hallelujah. My goodness, this has been a great session today. I'm just excited about it. Hallelujah. Watch this now. Back to verse 10. But the God of all grace. This means the God of all that God will do. Because grace only comes from one place. I have grace, the grace of God to teach. I have the grace of God to be a pastor. I have the grace of God to be a pastor, uh, to be a husband, a father, to be whatever God has given me to be good stewards of. And I, I, I have the grace of God offered to me to do these things. But it only comes through my conscious and deliberate faith in the death of Jesus. And when I'm not trusting in the death of Jesus, if I'm trusting in myself, anything else other than the cross means I'm trusting in myself. 
If I'm trusting in the purpose-driven life, the government of 12, the promise keepers, the, the whatever you want to name that is out there and has been ushered in by the perverts into the church to distract us from the one thing that can deliver us from the fears and anxieties of all those, that all those things cause, then we're going to be bound up. And we're going to be hearing and listening and bits of pieces, Scripture thrown in to try to prove their fads work, but we're not seeing righteousness because we're not beholding the true light and the true grace that God's Word offers us. The true grace of God is experienced by the true light of God. Remember the prophet Micah, let me quote it again. He says, when you... Bring me to the light, I will behold your righteousness. Let's take a minute, go over there, make sure I'm quoting this from the right place. It is Micah chapter 7 verse 9. I want you to know that this is my Bible study. I'm glad you've joined me in it. Amen. And that, that's why we can take the time and go look things up. That's what this is. It's, it's my Bible study. And if you've joined us, then it's our Bible study online. And I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful to, to have a, a Bible in these last days. I'm thankful to have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of grace that guides us into all truth so that we can experience all grace. Hallelujah. Watch now, Micah 7 and 9. This is the prophet saying these things. Now, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause. Where did he plead your cause, my friend? At the cross. And execute judgment for me. Where did he execute our judgment? On Christ at Calvary because of our sins. For he, he says, for me, let me read it again. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold <laughs> his righteousness. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. This is, my friends, how we know that we're walking with the, in the light of the one who's walking in the light. If we walk with him, let, let's go over there. I don't want to mess it up. 1 John 1 verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, how is he in the light? through his sacrificial work at Calvary. He is the light, but the cross is the switch. His righteousness offered to you at Calvary alone is the switch that makes him your light. Look at this now. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another... And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. This Bible verse tells us that our fellowship with Him and each other is only in the blood. Only in the blood. Our communion, Paul would write to the church of Corinth and say, Is it not in the blood? It is because it's the only place where our life is found in Christ Jesus, through faith in the blood. And remember, if you missed it earlier, Psalms 37, 6, write it down. Let's go there and look at it as I close this morning. Psalms 37 and 6. <coughs> and he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. Did you get that? And your judgment as the noonday. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, the light of Christ, the light that our Christ is found in. He's not found outside of this 
righteous light. He's not, he's not found outside of that. He's not found outside of the cross for salvation. He's not found outside of... The, his instructions are not found outside of a man's, woman's, boys and girl faith in the cross. Not found. Because outside of, of that exclusive, exclusive faith, we're not going to experience all the grace that God has for us. And my friends, He has told us He has more grace but only for the humble, only those who will remain humble, yielded to that form of doctrine that freed them from sin and made them servants of His righteousness. Glory be to God. It's been a wonderful session today. I'm so thankful the Lord has found uh, us. Uh, he, is, he is giving His people, those He can bring back to the focus of the Lamb, He is giving them spirit taught hearts spirit taught hearts not not hearts just not not just men teaching men but holy spirit spirit of grace taught hearts and i'm just so thankful to be one of those in this great move of god this great outpouring of his spirit of truth in these last days, I am so grateful. God bless you. Pray for us. I pray today be the day that you find the very provision that Christ is to you for anything you have need of, whether it be in your body, your soul, your spirit, anything at all, for He is the great I Am. Everything we need, and He gives us, offers to us grace for all that we need. If the Lord stirs your heart to be a blessing to this ministry, to give to Him through this ministry, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. Again, that's 903-231-5950. God bless you. I love you. Until I see you again, Stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.